What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. I'm also curious, like, why has nobody started? Watch, this is going to be the this is going to be the blossom of an idea right here. Why has nobody started a um, like for food shelters and things that goes by McDonald's every two hours and takes the bags that they're about to throw into the trash? Because we all know they do, and they and the apps pay for them. So if McDonald's throws away a hundred bags, DoorDash pays for that food. There is a company in my town that does that. Well, it should be a nonprofit, first of all. <laughs> they've, they've started to solve that more because the answer, if you asked people a couple of years ago, would be you can't take on the liability because if the food's given to somebody else and it's bad, it doesn't work. But I think actually that is sort of being solved. So I know there's a couple of these charities that are like, we'll take on the liability or there's no. But more. we should hear about this more. This should be happening more because yeah. we know for a fact that, I mean, maybe one day they'll get it better dialed. But right now they are throwing McDonald's alone. I mean, that's why I'm picking on them. Because of their high volume, they're throwing away hundreds of bags. Chipotle at every too, right? We see a ton of Chipotle at the end of the day. Yeah. The and they ah. don't care. They're treating it like we don't care. We're making the food. If you don't pick it up, I don't care because DoorDash pays it. So we don't care. Uh, actually, David, federal law exempts the donor from uh, if 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 a com- if a business donates food to a food charity there's a specific provision of federal law that excludes them from liability. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's called a gift a meal app. My girlfriend works there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gift a meal though. Yeah. So you're buying it. I don't know how that works. If Well, that's what I'm immediately reading into. Yeah. Is that you are paying Agreed. for that meal. <laughs> and what I'm saying is this should not be a customer pay thing. This should be a DoorDash pays McDonald's. Yes. And then work out how you're going to deal with write-offs or anything like that. I don't know, but the tax practitioner is right there. I'm not yeah. him. Well, I mean, DoorDash, <laughs> DoorDash is taking an expense for what they pay McDonald's. Right. You know, and therefore, why? but why just throw it into trash cans? We have people, I mean, we're not third world yet. But um, well, the the only the only reason why is because you have to have somebody come around and pick it all up, and then you have to have somebody somewhere else who wants the food. And I we we have a local pizza place. Well, it's a chain, but it's it's locally owned. And there was a period of time, you know, I know the owner, and there was a winter homeless shelter, and they make pizzas in advance, and the pizzas either get bought within 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is, or they throw it on a shelf in the back and they throw them away at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the owner was willing to let me come in there uh, 
and and say, hey, give me your trash pizzas, and I carry him across the street to the homeless shelter. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a thing on a local level. And I honestly, I think that works best on a local level only because, you know, we've got a St. Louis area food bank and they get all the leftovers from the grocery store. It's right. a it's a huge bureaucratic organization. You have all this criteria you have to meet in order to get food from them. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have trucks and staff and mm-hmm. offices and warehouses. And what we're really talking about is somebody walking into Chipotle at eight o'clock, scooping everything up off the DoorDash table and bringing it down the street to the homeless shelter. And honestly, any big company ought to be willing to facilitate that. And there you go. That's what I was just going to say. Use the oversaturation and pay the damn driver. Pay the drivers with bigger cars a nice amount to go work with these food banks and stuff. I, I've worked with them directly here in Denver because I've worked with the bars a lot. So we've done food drives. We've done um, other things with involving music and raising funds for especially the Denver Rescue Mission, which is one of the top ones in the country. Um, you know, they I know for a fact they would figure it out logistically from their end to go get food because we have that bad of a homeless problem in Denver. They can't even house near everybody at night. We have a real situation. So to get three times as many people fed per day, they would do whatever they'd use their own cars. They whatever it took, but why can't DoorDash use the half of the drivers who aren't doing anything except for hitting decline or using para and auto decline. <laughs> You know, maybe it would override the auto decline and say, no, no, this is a charity job. You You know, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like all the the pieces are there. We're putting the food out. Nobody's eating it. It's getting thrown into the trash. We have a ton of drivers that aren't getting enough orders in a night. DoorDash is a big enough company. They're facing so many lawsuits in so many states. Why not do so? They do other things like that, like, they do st- stupid things like take you to polling. And and this year it was even different. It was we'll pay half of your half of your going to vote or we'll pay half of this to get vaccinations. Well, the, they were paying full. I mean, why not do something like that that truly helps communities? Yeah. I mean, it, I don't see the loss here. And I would think it's a it's that time in history to do it too. Like with all these things we're talking about wanting transparency the driver's rights movement i mean with all this ganging up on you wouldn't you want to start doing some charitable stuff or showing because it's not going to be a big loss again i'm going to ask you nick because you're the tax practitioner i mean wouldn't there be a benefit to instead of just writing off or or just instead of throwing this as away as food waste so there's a benefit to the merchant, potentially, the restaurant. Uh, there, the restaurant can get an enhanced tax deduction. Um, there wouldn't be any benefit to DoorDash or, or whoever. But could it be worked out between them? Mm, or would that get sketchy? No. Yeah, okay. No. Uh, but, but look, the, the other thing you've got to understand is if you're sitting here declining, 
the fact, if you tell me I'll give you $5 to go to McDonald's and pick up two dozen bags and bring it to bring it to the homeless shelter, and I'm out here trying to earn a living, you know. Well, why wouldn't it, um, this is where I would ask you, why wouldn't it be $30, $40? Make it a very big Why offer. would it be $30? DoorDash is going to pay you $30 to go pick up garbage and give it to some homeless people for free? They're not, they don't care. DoorDash, I think it's about time they start getting they're in here with to the make cities. money just the same you know, as you and me. Okay. But they can't. <laughs> they look, they can do whatever they want. But DoorDash, No, I mean they can't make money. They have not figured that out. Well, and and that makes it all the more difficult for them to say, right. oh, well, I'm going to pay Steve $30 to bring trash. Well, then, like you said, maybe let's just keep it at McDonald's. But, but but let's be honest. The homeless shelter needs the food. They'll go to the McDonald's and get that's it. That's what, yeah, and that's what I was so, saying. About the ones so what, re- what DoorDash really ought to do, and this would cost DoorDash nothing, is they could make a, they could make a, pitch to their restaurants or or to to a few chain restaurants and say look you got this food here at the end of the day let's do something good together mm-hmm. and don't bring the drivers that are working for a living in in on this because you know i hear people say oh well i, I hear take, i hear you on i that. take a no tip order every now and then just to do something good and they'll get 20 people jump on them and say look if i want charity to do charity i'll go volunteer right and also and and you made a good point because also the like the food banks i know here they're very good ones it's a little hard to park get in there deal with it um, you're dealing with a lot but of, here, but here's what you can do, Steve. You can tell the you can tell the food, the, uh, excuse me, the homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Have somebody at your shelter load the DoorDash app, and every night between six and eight, or whatever times that it is, we'll only send orders to you for charity pickup. And it would come through just like a regular DoorDash order, but it would say, go to McDonald's and pick up these 10 orders. And those would be the abandoned orders. And the, and the, the offer would only go to people logged in as food pantry people or homeless shelter people. So if I'm a homeless shelter volunteer, I load the DoorDash app, I designate myself as a homeless shelter person, and then the only offers I get are from restaurants that have food that they need to get rid of and they're willing to donate. They could do that for next, it would cost them nothing. They could use the same app they already have. They'd add one (coughs) field to your uh, Dasher Mm -hmm. data, which would be I'm a charity Dasher. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe they'd have to have some verification that you really work for the homeless shelter and you don't just don't just have a fetish for cold McDonald's and you're trying to scam them. Um, Bootleg McDonald's down on the corner. (laughs) But, you know, and and not just McDonald's, but there's pizza places and there's other stuff. There's catering companies that cater a banquet and they have a tray of food left. Mm-hmm. And, and and so they could sign up as rest, you know, and most of them already are restaurants. Uh, 
people sign up as as charity dashers and they get offers and if the and if you're sitting at the food pantry or, or at the homeless shelter and you've got 20 hungry people sitting there and Chipotle and McDonald's offer some meals you accept and you go pick them up yeah and there's no and there's no money change hands there's no pay for it because you're a food pantry volunteer it's just a service DoorDash would provide to connect restaurant surplus with charitable need they could do that it would cost them nothing and if if they don't do that it all ends and and, and I'm not trying to be over dramatic it all ends up in a green trash trash bin sure it does yeah. so i mean so they should do that yeah, I mean, we got to start looking at things like this because this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, I've seen, I'm sure we all have um, shorts on YouTube or on TikTok or whatever of just a McDonald's that just, they don't even have any counter space left. All of it's taken with bags. That photo was in my bin this morning, a new photo. I, yeah, I, I, yeah we get those all the time. I yeah. mean, it's it's just it's just sad to know that People are dying from starvation in every one of our cities, all, all of us here tonight. Um, and we made, it doesn't solve it, but it sure would be something. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's, let's, let's keep moving along. Cause that each one of these could go forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've talked about data privacy um, and your right to have it. Um, the right to make a living wage. I think, this one is a little, this one maybe needs a little discussion. David, how do you, how do you view this one? Yeah, I, put, I put it here. I think it's sort of like right to, uh, to make a living. Right. And I think, right. Um, well, I mean, just, yeah. However you're taking what I'm saying, like, how do you feel about this? Right. I think it's uh same thing as without the transparency, it ties back to sort of that uh, valuing somebody's time. Right. I think mm-hmm. it, like, if I have the information, if I know what my expenses are, if I know really what the pay I'm going to be making there is. uh, And on top of that, I think it also ties into, and I have the ability to access other opportunities uh, because when your app is slow, uh, I think that's really how I, how I read into that. Hmm. Uh, Michelle, do you have any comment on that at all? The, just if I make the comment right to make a living wage, do you, I mean, do you see that as, cause I, I got to tell you, I, David and I see eye to eye on everything, but when I hear this, all I think is floor payment, ceiling payment, same payment. Yeah. Um, once again, it was brought up uh, just a typical, this might not be what I'm discussing, but the, uh, and it's, it's old in my market. But a lot of people are just getting that rollout. Would you like to earn an hourly wage and your wage would be $14 an hour? Or would you like to go ahead and do your orders? And people are asking, should I opt for that hourly wage? And we're all saying, no. If you have to opt for $14, if you're not making $20 an hour. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing it. gig work, you shouldn't be doing it because you're obviously not putting any money away. You're not going to be able well, to afford it, fix anything car. Right. The expenses on your car alone. You know, um, today, all day long, I was in 30 plus and that's where I want to be. And mm-hmm. so 30 plus all day long. And I would never take a uh, me. I'm not going to work for, I think in my, in my market, it's more like 16, but nevertheless. And in some markets it's 10 
And people, and do you know that some people have never had a $10 order? And I say to them, do something else, people. Why do you feel like you have to do DoorDash? But what if, but what if you live in North Platte, Nebraska? If any of you have ever drove through North Platte, no, and if or if anybody listening to this, watching this, is from North Platte, I apologize in advance, <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's one street, and it's not like there's even a town nearby. You've got Denver six hours away, you've got Omaha seven hours away, and you've got corn in between both ways. Well, so let me be honest on my personal journey. When I did this, I turned it on, and all of a sudden, money was just popping out all over the place. <laughs> I could take right. And it was, oh my gosh. And then I realized how to efficiently get those orders. And then I found out that I had actually myself been to 190 restaurants in one year. Contrast, some of our group members have four restaurants. Exactly my point. And their cost of their house might be 10% of what you pay. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I say, honey, you know, you know, maybe maybe you need to be a W two worker, uh, but I think other like I picked up at a Pizza Hut the other day, and it's and they're they're learning. They said work today, get paid today. Well, here here's here guys. Here's why I use the North Platte example. I actually know a gig worker in North Platte, and he yeah. might be the only one. And we actually <laughs> talked to him on the podcast, and he didn't have a problem with, he actually had no complaints at all about the apps. And he was telling me the numbers. He, he takes all the orders we'd laugh at. No way would I touch that. He basically takes any order that comes through, but his cost of living's at about 15% of mine. Like no joke. Ah, uh, yeah, but you live in Denver. So that's right. But I mean, at $500 a month and his growth, you know, if he's living for 800 bucks a month and doesn't have a kid or something, if he's living for 800 bucks a month, he's not living very well, even in North Platte. But listen, <laughs> I- I'll tell you who gets it right in North Platte, Nebraska, Amazon. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a metropolitan area, Amazon has big warehouses and fleets of delivery trucks and they have Amazon flex and, you know, drivers coming in. And and if you order something here in St. Louis from Amazon, it's delivered 98% of the time by an Amazon contractor. Mm -hmm. If you live in North Platte, Nebraska, I'm going to bet you that your Amazon's getting delivered by the post office or UPS. I would agree, unless there's some kind of rush to the last mile services. Well, Amazon, I mean, I don't know about North Platte in particular, but when you get far from the metropolitan areas, Amazon just doesn't go there. They'll go an hour and a half maybe from a metropolitan area. But if you're in the middle of nowhere and you're a small market, they're just not going to, they're not going to bother. They're going to outsource that to a common carrier. And, and I'm going to say that if you live in, uh, in a town with one stoplight and, you know, a, a post office. That's with what this is. Year old postmaster who's been there since you know mm-hmm. 1952. Uh, maybe that's an area where DoorDash shouldn't be. And right. if you want to be that one guy that subsidizes the DoorDash business model by by taking three and a half dollar orders all the time, 
look, I would encourage you to get a job at the grocery store or something. You're or, or go to a that. city hall meeting and make sure you know everybody and just say you're starting your own business. <laughs> Or, or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, there's, delivering. Like, there's, I'm just going to run the tone. Right. There's more than one way to handle that. Um, and, and I, you know, most of us live in major metropolitan areas, and there's a, there's, it's easy to forget that, uh, that the circumstances we live under are not the same as what other people face, and that the DoorDash model doesn't necessarily fit everywhere. Sure. What you, about, you might not be able to offer a living wage to somebody delivering restaurant orders in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Right. And before we move on, I want to sincerely say I have nothing against North Platte. Um, <laughs> I've been through it many times. I, I'm from Michigan, so it's actually a city I have to go through if I take I-80 home from Colorado when I'm driving. So North Platte, we love you and uh, keep it real. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the right to do process. This one, uh, maybe we've talked about it, but the the one that's jumping out at me here is unfair deactivations and and no process in place or no mechanism to deal with that anymore at all. It's something that we deal with every single day. And this is it. Um, hello, I'm devastated. I received this notice. It says I committed fraud. And I did nothing. Help. Mm -hmm. These are my statistics and they're perfect. 4.98 customer rating, 100% completion rating, 6,000 deliveries. And now I'm done. And I've appealed and hear nothing. It's the dreaded what you open up your, I don't know, your app or your email the next day. And you find out this has occurred. And you're, you're kicked in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, David can probably even remember this too. Like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit last night, in fact, that when Uber and Lyft, even not just in California, but when they were populating other cities, you got a much better split of the money. However, if you dropped underneath 80% acceptance rate, you were done there. And there wasn't a, a there wasn't a review process then either, but um, after that, then uh, places like legal rideshare, and some other places around the country started popping up. And for a while, they were dealing with deactivations. And all they were doing was really, I mean, they they probably went a little farther on some, but they were taking their letterhead. They were writing to DoorDash or whoever and saying, listen, he was unfairly deactivated. And a letter from a lawyer just meant reactivate the guy. Now they're away from that again. And now legal rideshare, because um, I know those guys over there, they're great guys. So I'm not dissing them. Um, but the CEO and founder, Brian Greening, um, he, he, they're handling more people who are hurt on work, um, this, that, and the other, because they were getting too many and it was getting to a point they couldn't help people because DoorDash was stopping the reply of, oh, you have legal letterhead. They were starting to go, we don't care. They're not coming back. Well, two things. One is that they ran their yearly background check and something has shown up. And, and th that's one of the least things people think about, but they got a really big, uh, Jake, who's an admin also in the big group door, uh, Grubhub deactivated him because he had an accident and he wasn't door dashing when he had the accident. 
he had an accident and the insurance company, it was charged to him. I don't think there was any injuries or anything like that. It was damage. Grubhub deactivated him. And he's terrified that 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 uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash will do the same. Have you ever heard of that happening? Um, maybe not specifically. I've heard so many bad deactivation stories. And like you said, fraud is a common word that's used, especially yes. by the food platforms. Yes. Um, van, DoorDash deliveries. Uh, really, he actually lives here in Denver too, but he's got a big YouTube channel. He does, um, he's been deactivated and he had his brother or somebody, I probably shouldn't say a lot here, but somehow he reactivated another account or activated another account and it was working. And then they said that his deactivate, and then they told him that his deactivated account had been accessed and that somebody like one of the, you know, those groups that when you put the word Instagram and Twitter or, 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 or or Instacart and Twitter or Instagram that it within a minute you get these bots that say, Hey, we can reactivate you. Even if you're not, even if you're not talking about deactivation, you just put that word in there and they're like, we can react. It's like, uh, and some of them work and whatnot. I mean, somebody reactivated his account through one of those services, not in the state we're in. And he wasn't even able to plead to get his case back. However, they react, they reopened that closed fraud account. And And so now they're making money on his 1099. Yeah. And, but the other, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is like, how is, how are, you know, I mean, it's always how, how did these companies do this? Who, Who knows? But I mean, like, these guys seem pretty easy to catch. Like Michelle right away knew what I was talking about. You put you, if you type, it does it for a lot of them, but Instacart's the biggest. If you go to any social media and put the word Instacart in a post, mm. you will get a non-relative reply within 10 minutes that says that they can reactivate you. We and have like, I'm not deactivated. That's one of our trigger words. So those come up in our moderation alerts immediately. And I can mm-hmm. send those out of there. And if they've went on every post and tried to do that, they're, I, uh, Facebook has been real helpful. Uh, we've got the same tools that they have with their Facebook jail stuff and all that. So we can get rid of, and oh, by the way, my smaller group, which is 60,000, we just hit 60,000 and Facebook gave us access to all kinds of new tools. So apparently as you graduate up, uh, you get better uh, uh, filters and things of that nature. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's not as though there aren't ways to prevent fraud like that. And I, I, I boast about Amazon a lot, but it's because they do a better job than other the other gig apps do. So when you sign on to Amazon Flex in the morning for the first time, mm-hmm. you have to scan your driver's license and take a selfie. And they digitally compare the selfie to what you looked like when you signed up. And they make sure that it's really your driver's license. So there's no way that you're going to steal somebody's Amazon Flex account and go into an Amazon warehouse and start working or stealing packages. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, now they have a problem right now that people are just driving into warehouses and going rogue and trying to run off with uh, carts full of packages. But uh, but as far as the app goes, they've got that locked down. Yeah. And again, if these other apps cared about security, it would be very simple for them to implement a system where you've got to scan your driver's license at the beginning of every shift and it reads the barcode and you take a selfie. But the fact is they know people are using each other's accounts and all sorts of, I was just going to say the facial recognition doesn't work. All they care about is that they have bodies in the seats. Mm -hmm. Amazon is handing you 40 packages that, that Amazon is responsible for. So they actually care that it's really you and that you're accountable for the packages they're handing you. If somebody scams a DoorDash account and drives off with a Big Mac value meal, DoorDash doesn't care. They, no, they just, we, they already just ta- want, we already talked about it. They just, they just want somebody in the app hitting the accept button. That's right. all they care about. Right, because so even if they're writing off 100 meals that day that are just being thrown away, what's 101? And they're doing that at every McDonald's in the entire country. But where, it gets, where it gets unfair, though, is when they use that same approach to a driver whose entire living is on DoorDash. Mm-hmm. Right, And they basically are like, hey, oops, there's a mistake, and you're deactivated, and it's, you know... Maybe you get the right person on support to help you out. But maybe well, it not. is, but it right. it is, but that's because you're con- you you're, you you shouldn't have your whole livelihood relying on a company that cares so little about you. Oh, I know, but it, but it's I, funny that the answer is instead you should have it relying on ten companies that don't care about you. Well, uh, okay, <laughs> that's sort of funny, but look, you're you're playing the odds, right? You're playing the odds. Um, and, and, and the chances of all 10 of them kicking you to the curb are slim, but, but look, when you're self-employed, it's a risk. I've been Mm -hmm. self-employed since forever. And it wasn't always doing gig companies. I also did pure self-employment where I was contracting directly and anybody I was contracting with could have woke up one morning and said, you know what? That guy wears glasses with black frames, and I only like people who wear glasses with metal frames. So get out of my office, and I never want to see you again. And I have had no recourse. Hmm. So even as an independent who is dealing with my own clients, Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of different clients because they come and go. Mm-hmm. That, that's just the reality of being a contractor. I, know, I was just gonna. I, I was gonna add to you, like a plumber. Just because you hire an independent contractor plumber and you guys work out some deal with the money and and he does the service, it sometimes they don't get their money. <laughs> you know, some people don't pay, and this is this is a this is a big difference too. You know, I mean that's that could really hurt an ind- a true traditional independent contractor. Well, I mean, and and we have courts to deal with that. And I've and sure. I've had I I actually had one client that was a collection agency, and he uh, had financial problems and was on the verge of going out of business, and stiffed me for some money. I sued the collection agency and garnished them. 
<laughs> Go make more collections. You're gonna have to pay yeah. me off. <laughs> yeah, was... Garnishing a collection agency was very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, sure. I could imagine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, did you record those phone calls or <laughs> there was but, no phone call. Yeah, you, you you get there. I can imagine you call their competitor to go collect from them. It's like their worst nightmare. Oh no, no, no! I just garnished their bank. I just garnished. I used to have to do that at uh, when I worked at Uber. I used to have to do weekly garnishments for the government. I remember, hmm. and at the time we didn't have a system for that, so I would literally have to go into driver earnings and withdraw the amount and just write garnishment. And of course, as the market grew, that would be having to do that 500 times, 1,000 times, 2,000 times a week, basically. And then we'd have all the angry drivers show up because there was no process and nobody would have told the driver why the money was being garnished. It would just be gone, basically, talking about sort of due process here. I remember just we'd have drivers show up be like, I earned 1,000 bucks this week and you paid me zero. What happened? I'm like, well, you know. The state told us that we had to garnish this amount. Right. That child support finally caught up with you, buddy. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what wasn't cool, we did, there was no warning at all. I guess we didn't even, there was no explanation. It should have been the money is taken and here's why. Yeah, it's that's crazy. the same when you're a W 2, though. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to spend all that money like tracking you down to let you know. They figured you'd have enough years where you've been dodging it. And now they're like, <laughs> we'll just pull it. And then you, if you want to deal with it, come talk to us. Yeah. Well, I was a bit quiet here on the side because I actually had this table I wanted to bring up a little bit talking about the sort of right to, I know this is sort of a couple points before, but this is like right to a living wage or what, what I call sort of right to a living because I'm not sure because I think living wage has all these other connotations, but to me it's the right mm-hmm. to a living and why it's tied to transparency. I have this table of what I call like the most egregious trips we've seen, right? So uh, in terms of like tip transparency, so I'll sort of mm-hmm. rattle on here. So Miles... 18.6 miles. Interestingly, these are all in Colorado, actually. These are the worst trips we've seen in Colorado, actually. Uh, so here's a miles. 18.6 miles. Dasher offered pay, $2.75. Total drive time plus pickup time, an hour and a half. Gas expenses, $2.30. Total net, $0.43 cents to drive an hour and a half. See, I've seen... I've seen some articles about this here too, and in other states. Not every state, but some other states too. And I just don't really. Often, those people, if you really look into it, are the part timers or the union affiliate people, because they'll be talking about an area. Even I'm, I know, and I'm like, dude, if you don't even try, you can make thirty an hour there. Oh no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that this is like this is your hourly earning, right? I'm saying these are just really bad, egregious trips. Obviously, you don't just right. Do that. I but I think that's that. the kind of data they use when they run those stories about no, so I think the data they use for those stories is they basically say, hey, if you were to take out retirement and 401k and this and that, and they only ever take the worst trips, right? Yeah. I'm like not saying, hey, every trip you're going to take is like this bad, but some of these are just so bad. Right? The next one here, 12.5 miles, 2.75, going to what Nick was saying, just don't take 2.75 right mm-hmm. uh you know 1.13 hours gas cost 2.32 you made 43 cents for 1.13 let's take one that's not 2.75 here's one 12.6 miles 3.25 1. Point something hours so there's we have just you know i have hundreds of these per state basically i, I mean, think it goes back to what Nick I, said. I, you but you know that. what david Listen, I don't think that you have a right to be protected from your own stupidity. 
Yes. <laughs> if you're dumb enough to accept a $3.25 12-mile order, you're going to get an education. You, yeah. It's, it's going to cost you money. And you're going to get an education that day in the fact that if you ever do that again, you're going to starve to death. So, you know, I mean, some people go to school to learn. Some people click on accept to learn. But, you know, and if you're a dummy and you keep doing it, then eventually your car is going to break down and you're going to have to find another career. But so is but so is life, too. You know what I mean? Like, right. You got to learn, man. You know, you learn by wow, that was horrible. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but, 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 I, and I would say this, I, I don't know that learning is, I don't expect DoorDash to tell me don't accept $2 and 75 cent orders. Yeah. So, so in reality, what needs to happen And this isn't so much a matter of rights as it is doing the right thing. We need to have higher profile, well-organized, maybe maybe somebody spends the money to do a 30-minute, hey, you just signed up for DoorDash, here's some things you might want to know, video, and just promote the heck out of it so that the probability of somebody signing up for DoorDash and missing out on this education becomes very low. DoorDash exists in part because they're able to exploit people. They're able to exploit people because of a lack of information. And the way you fix that is you get the information out there and and make sure that people run into it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Let's. This is the last part that we have to do, or that I think we should do. And uh, it's it's um, ten independent contractor rights, and it is taken from the standard independent contractor law. Obviously, I, that will link will be in the show notes, um, so you guys can find it in there. Um, number one is the right uh, to a contract. Okay, so. Um, a business person uh, without a legally binding contract with a client becomes exposed to abuse. A formal independent contractor agreement protects you from spelling out your duties. I think that that is very relevant to like construction and stuff. You know, obviously you want these kind of things in place, but uh, these are like what they're saying makes you an independent kind. It's kind of the opposite of the a- ABC test, which is trying to make you not one. This is like, the the standard of of what what independent contractor was kind of before gig apps even so a right to a contract do we have that i mean we do have a yeah we have a terms of service with doordash but do we have a contract with every client we have who's doordash is the client hmm I'm the just person? for argument's sake, though. I'm just thinking that what the more times we say that DoorDash is the club, DoorDash is the club, door, it just keeps sounding like employee. <laughs> I mean, well, you can call it what you want, but the but the the person you're bringing the food to is not the client, and you do not have any contractual relationship with the person who you're bringing the food to. True. Your only contractual relationship is with DoorDash. DoorDash is the client. Hmm. 
It's funny because part of their argument all over the country and world right now is, no, we're not. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they're just trying to, hey, we're a, we're a tech company. Well, you can't do that anymore. Okay, we're an SAAS. Well, you can't do that anymore. Okay, we're a toilet paper making company. I mean, it, it's like they just are throwing it up in the air. To, okay. They can say whatever they want. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I did IT work for a collection agency. The people they were collecting from were not my clients. The collection agency was my client. Mm-hmm. I did IT work for a self-storage company. The people renting storage units were not my client. The self-storage company was my client. And when you deliver something for DoorDash, your client is DoorDash. So moving to number two, though, the right to control. Uh, The essence of being in business for yourself puts you in control, not your clients. If a client tries to control your business by telling you where, when, and how to work, you become an employee. Never let that happen. Um, I know that now nowhere, uh, even on Rideshare, does acceptance rate matter or any of that kind of stuff, but it's still in there. And for a while, it did matter. Isn't that taking away the right to control? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like this to me is like one of the most important ones there. I think this is where the apps infringe the most. Me too. Yeah. And, and by the way, DoorDash is sneaking it back now by saying if your acceptance rates above 50%, we'll give you better offers. Oh, that new high. And that's, that was the other thing I was going to say too, that and the top dash. I mean, like they're, that's not giving me the right to control. You're, you're actually making levels. Yep. You're making a system that shouldn't exist. Um, according to being an independent, they're saying we're independent contractors. The reason I'm pointing all this out or we're discussing it is because they're saying we're independent contractors. Well, here's the, here's the, you know, 10 commandments of being an independent contractor and right. they don't seem to be syncing up real well. No. Um, you know, the right to making decisions um, while employees expect to follow orders uh, from their, their bosses, independent contractors become their own boss. Consider whoever hires you as your client and not your boss. Okay. So being an independent contractor provides you with the freedom to dictate where, when, and how a project gets completed. Remember your clients do not direct your work. If they do, you become an employee, not an independent contractor. Well, something that we're seeing more and more and more is that why, and I know they probably have the fields available, why don't they tell us that they're, we're going to a business? And not only that, to make it simpler, because I live in a heavy industrial area, uh, why don't they tell us it's ABC uh, company that we're going to so we can find it easier and we know what we're where we're delivering. Why don't they tell us it's an apartment building so the people with bad knees don't have to climb three or four stairs of uh, outside stairs when it's icing mm-hmm. and carry the heavy water or the heavy whatever they might on a shop and deliver. Uh, Para, paraflagging feature. Well, funny Instacart, <laughs> Instacart do, does tell you if it's an apartment. You know, we've even had the discussion on my on on the rodeo roundtable about why not limit water cases to one or two the, things like that. Like, don't there because there are orders of twenty water cases. The, on, oh, the amount, I um I do well because we have a Whole Foods here. 
I did the Amazon Flex for Whole Foods. And I hear, you know, being a little five foot two girl, uh, tiny girl, petite, I someone bought about six of those big blue things that go on top of a water cooler. Five gallons, yeah. I was carrying those up rickety steps. I was dead. I wanted to go home. And I don't know if they tipped me or not. I mean, I have no idea. And if you get an Instacart order with cases of water, they add to the base pay. Oh, they do? They do now. Okay. I don't know that that was always the case. Instacart has what they call heavy order pay. Yes. Oh, I have seen that. I, I mean, I don't work Instacart, but I have the app just to look to see if there's just never anything worth me taking. I know market to market, and I know I know that you know even some of yours might be okay. Denver for all the Denver's a great gig market, but for whatever reason, we get the worst Instacart orders. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I would agree on limiting that because some of those those I I can't carry. They're just way insanely too heavy, and if they're heavy, I'm 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 not weak. I am strong, and this job has made me stronger. Uh, or at least make it like curb drop off or something. Yes. Like all you're doing is getting it out of the car and pff, there it is. I mean, well, I mean, but then, but then the next guy might want that order. You know, it's $25. I can throw all the water on a dolly and bring it into the where the office. with, with what you're talking about. Sure. With a heavy, whatever yeah. it is, heavy load or heavy so long as I'm compensated for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like I told the it client, I'll empty your waste baskets just so long <laughs> as you pay me the right amount. And I'll, I'll, I'll schlep 20 cases of water into a building if the price is right. I mean, I'll admit to breaking code with Uber and it's not in a bad way, but like when I used to work the nights in the beginning, I would be taking somebody from one bar to another and it'd be like two couples and they'd be like, Hey, do you mind stopping at this one bar? We just need to run in and see our friend and they're bartending and be like 1am and they're like, we just want to do a shot with them before we go to that last bar. And the guy'd be like, hey, "Dude, here's fifty bucks, or here's a hundred. Yeah. Can you just sit here for like twenty minutes?" And I'd be like, "Yep." Uh huh. You know, like I mean, that's not allowed, but I'm an independent contractor. I chose to do that, and whether or not that goes against the little box I clicked that said I agreed all these terms, and if it was in there, I don't care. I'm an independent contractor. I'm going to do what I do. Um, especially because in that kind of moment you make a decision. And my decision was I'm, I'm taking this money because mm-hmm. it's going to make the customer happy. It's cash. It's in my face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're doing this. Um, so I, number four is basically flexibility, the right to work uh, when you want. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Right. But that's a big thing that we face losing under so many models, unionization, franchise model, employee model under every model except for the independent contractor we lose flexibility so and many- if people want to argue here's the argument i've had sometimes is they don't have to and i'm like tell me one company that allows you to work flex just work come in whenever you want there isn't one <laughs> you know i mean so i don't know i mean the you know i don't i'm not really sure i right now that's in place but i don't know that that stays in place um well look if if you want a regular 40 hour a week job with a fixed schedule go get one sure sure i'm just saying 
Don't ruin we're in limbo about what an job. independent contractor is. Here's the diagram. Here's the schematical map. Right. And we're and they're not meeting it. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think there needs to be. And David, I know, I think you agree with this. We've talked about this. There needs to be something in the middle for gig workers, like a new, a new way of defining independent contractorship to some degree. You know, because there needs to be some tweaks. It's technology. Things have changed a little. Just nothing bad. Just make sure it's it's timely. It fits with the situation we're in. Um, but the right to work where you want, uh, the right to advertise. This was one of the ones I really wanted to hit on because that's a big one. You know, the right to advertise. You have the right to act and advertise for yourself. Market your private services by printing business cards, brochures, handouts. Advertise in freelance job boards or on online platforms or for freelancers. Advertise in classified ads to customers you have, to everybody you want. It basically open ends advertising. So we can't do that. No, no I think we're prohibited. Yeah, completely prohibited. You know what I've always thought would be really nice? When I first started doing Instacart, I did a delivery to somebody, and the guy says, you're the best Instacart deliverer that we've ever had. Can we have you do our shopping next weekend? And I had to tell him no. There ought to be, all of these gig apps ought to allow you to pick you know, I like this I, guy. Send them back if you can. From what I understand, when you get to a certain level in shipped, you can you can uh, get customers. A lady on my street has fifty. I have I I have just a couple because I didn't do it long enough. I've preferred I, I'm a yeah. preferred shopper for three people, but yes. I haven't done shipped in now like four months. Yeah, but yeah, all they they just do it because like you know if you actually follow through, you do it quick. Ship right. can be good with tips. It can be weird, but um, but you're paying uh, you know, you're paying a monthly service charge to be part of Shipped. Right. So for some reason, people tip better. They ex- they expect better, but they're also nicer when they pay for something. It's a very odd thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I pay for this service. It's like, okay, now you're tipping me great, and you're treating me nice, and this is weird. Um, but yeah, the right to advertise doesn't exist. Uh, right to receive payments. Employees typically get paid on a set schedule. Um, you know, and, and this is weird to me because I think that, you know, like, okay, I'm going to mention curry right now. Curry, if I work today, I had three curry orders. Okay. Um, at the end of every order within 10 minutes of me posting the pictures and saying that I'm done, um, it is in my bank. So I had three deposits today. Okay. Not even an end of day. It costs me nothing. It, it's in your account in 10 minutes. Nice. Now, I know that for a lot where you're working like 30, 40 trips in a day, maybe just one day payout. But why are they charging credit card type fees to get your money out? Unless you want it out on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever day these apps pay out. You know, it's it. I most people I know want their money at the end of the day, and they pay that fee, even though it shouldn't be there. Um, although to be fair, when I was an independent contractor, well, and I still do, I still am dealing with my own clients. Nobody ever handed me a check when I walked out of their office at the end of the day. 
and they mm. would have laughed in my face if sure, I had asked sure. for that. Because you're net 15ing them or net 30. You're, you're billing yeah, them. I'm sending them an invoice that's going through their accounts payable. Yada, yada. Even, if you got the check, even if you got the check, you would have to deposit it, and that would take a day or two to process. Right. But, but, but nobody, no, it, 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 I don't believe that the right to get paid as soon as I drop groceries on somebody's front doorstep is inherent to being an independent contractor. Okay. Well, there's some like in our state, I don't, I know this isn't, I think it's in a lot, but in maybe most even, but I do know it's not in some like here in Colorado, if you get fired, they have to pay you that day for every amount they, every dime they owe you. Right. Um, so thing. So let's look at the Uber Tampa man or the Uber Phoenix man who a couple weeks back was um, was where he parks is right near a restaurant that was shutting down early, but getting orders. So he kept sending it through and he met the criteria of the terms of service in DoorDash, where if you keep getting these, just put it through as it's closed and cancel it. And he was getting these cancel fees. He had he was owed like $1,300 and they deactivated him and it took him seven weeks to get that money. So I'm looking at the law. There's probably about five States that require that a fired employee be paid as he walks out the door. Most of them, it's the next scheduled payday. There's a handful that have to do it within, you know, a few days. But Colorado is is a fairly rare exception. Oh, okay, I, I kind of figured again, that that's, was the that's case. An employee, and that's that's only for employees, and that's only for if you fire the employee. If well, deactivation in, is. It, it, right. I would want all my money because I can. If you're in Colorado and you quit, they then they don't have. To oh no that. no no yeah of course not. Um, and as far as deactivation goes, yeah they ought they ought to pay you right away. You know we hear stories in the Facebook groups where people get deactivated and they're like, "You stole a meal, we stole your paycheck." Bye. Yeah. Right. All the more reason why no I don't trust them, and I want my like I, you know, David. When we were in when we were in St. Louis, um, you know, what the David left a day early, and Jimmy and I just we 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 were gonna go do a couple things or go to dinners. We didn't even do anything. We just kind of hung out and just chatted all the whole time, and um, we were just the whole time. And I know you heard us too before you left. We were talking about how do we get a better payment system going here, where it's not it doesn't even have to be thought about. Just cash these people out. You know, yeah. just well, one thing I will say is there's been leaps and bounds probably in the last one or two years on that front. So I do think if we, you know, when we convene in two years to have this conversation again, my hope mm-hmm. is that daily pay is just table stakes in the gig economy. That is, I wouldn't yeah. say that's necessary for W2, but um, the right to employ other contractors. This is number eight. We have three, two more to go. Yeah, this. I think I've seen this put in other places is you're allowed to delegate tasks, including hiring another contractor. Right. And I think except that- for rideshare, you can do it with the food platforms. You can do it with this. You can do it. So now it's getting weird too. Why can you have an Uber rideshare account and nobody can drive, but you can have an Uber eats account. I mean, I get it. There's a passenger in your car, but, but you can have an Uber eats account and you can have three family members running the car 24 seven. Yeah, I think on that front, it's hard to sort of grok those two, right? But sort of for me, that's why I think it's less of the 
you have the ability. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for rideshare, right? And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how they do it. But to me, why I'm very interested in this one is this idea that you can delegate tasks. Because to me, that's the underpinning as to why you should be able to auto-decline trips, why you should be able to plug into all the different platforms, why you should be able to use a tool such as Para, is this idea that I am delegating these tasks or I'm delegating these things that I want done or business processes to somebody else to be done for me, basically, right? So to me, I find this one super interesting. Although I think the point you make, I am not quite sure. There must be some legal way that the rideshare companies justify this here. I don't... Especially, especially I'm picking on Uber because Uber is allowing you to do it with the food, but not with the passengers. <laughs> I mean, that's really... That seems like some really sketchy area to be in. You know, I'm just saying like, I, I, I guess, you know, most people would understand, well, yeah, they're taking passengers. It should be them. Well, then why shouldn't it be them when they're driving the car with food, though? I mean, I get it. You're not, you know, you don't have a passenger in the car, but you still, you could have a hit and run. And, oh, it was Julie using my car, not me. And I haven't seen her in weeks. And I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of maneuverability for scamming and um and by not allowing this or by not dealing with it you know um i I think number nine is interesting the right to challenge your employment status your independent contractor agreement specifies your role as an independent contractor yet the irs and labor department use their own factors to determine if you acted as an employee or an independent contractor, so you can contact them and find out if on a case by case per basis, they think you're uh, an, uh, an independent contractor or an employee based on the information you provide. Um, I mean, the IRS has a form for that. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you believe you're inappropriately being classified as a contractor when you should have been an employee, you can file that form. The IRS will eventually supposedly look at the situation. And if indeed you should have been an employee, they will take the W-2 contributions that should have been made from that person, that company that that should have uh, classified you as an employee. Now, let's be very clear. The day you file that form, you're getting deactivated. So, (laughs) Right. So be multi-apping. And then there's the last one, right to managing your own business. Independent contractors run their own business. You manage all aspects of your business. As a self-employed business person, you maintain the responsibility to provide your own benefits. So it seems like the gig companies love that second half of that. <laughs> You'll take care of all your expenses and medical and you got yourself, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, but we're, we're going to have a little bit of control though still. <laughs> well, that says you're not supposed to. <laughs> well, <laughs> And I mean, I didn't even want to hit on this, but I got to you guys, uh, especially since Nick, we have you here um, uh, before we start wrapping this up. I, I need to ask you, uh, is there a way, I mean, like I, and maybe they're starting to work on it, but how do you, um, how do you audit an algorithm? How does who audit what algorithm? Any, anyone. I mean, how would you audit an algorithm if you really wanted to see 
I mean, uh, from a, or is it impossible in, in whatever's well, going on you know, back there? Well, item number one is in the case of the algorithms that are, that are behind these gig apps, you don't have access to the algorithms and you don't have the right to it's it's private intellectual. Oh, I'm an, an IRS audit, even let's say. So the the algorithm. Oh, you're just talking about how do you? The IRS doesn't care about the algorithm. Except for it's moving a lot of, it's a lot of moving parts and things could be just, I want to say. IRS only cares about getting their taxes, right? I guess is what Nick is saying. Yeah. Well, well, no, I mean, the IRS cares whether you're an employee or a contractor for sure. Yeah. We're seeing that everywhere. But, but that has nothing to do with the algorithm per se. I know. I was just throwing it in because I was wondering your tax practitioner. Look at the working conditions and you know, I use the app, and here's what the what the app does. I have a contract. Here's um, what my contract says. I was I was just sidestepping um, because I find it interesting that I don't know if our government could audit Uber. <laughs> well, I and they from from a tax perspective, they certainly can. Mm-hmm. From a an algorithm perspective, I don't think it's any of their business any more than I think it's any of their business. How David does what he does at para that's his private intellectual property. And, Mm. you know, his intellectual property to the user must conform with laws. Yeah. So I sort of view it as like the companies, like because drivers are independent contractors should be clear roughly what the rules of the game are right since you're independent contractors you should know if you have these acceptance like these are the rules or these are the tiers i think having that more clear but then after that like how they implement it how it's done that shouldn't really matter slash people really shouldn't know unless it's not fulfilling what they're saying the rules are but if it's not fulfilling what the rules are supposed to be, you can determine that by observing Correct. The, the usage Correct. of the app. Correct. You know, if, if I'm using your app to track mileage and I drive 20 miles and your app only registers 12 miles, I don't have to know anything about your algorithm to know that it's wrong. Yep. Yep. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I agree. Right. And I think that's where it comes from. It's like, I don't need to know what your algorithm is coded. I just need to make sure that the outcome of your algorithm matches the rules or what I've been promised. And, and, and you bring Fair up, enough. and so you introduce a bigger point, which is an important one. And that is, does the app serve as a fig leaf for conduct by the corporation that is contrary to what an independent contractor should have as their working conditions. And that's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. And it has nothing to do with the algorithm. It has to do with what is that app doing? You know, Mm -hmm. if, if, if one of the attributes of an independent contractor is that you must be free to accept or refuse work, but the app tells me that if I refuse work too often, then they won't offer me as many jobs. 
if the, if that happens to be contrary to the legal definition of an independent contractor, and I'm not a labor lawyer, so I'm not going to say that it is, but if it was, you don't have to know anything other than what they've already told you. Sure. Yep. I think I'm actually uh, very much in agreement with you there. Yeah. So David, before we close this out, um, the website uh, driver singular rights.org. It's right there. Right there. <laughs> um, driver rights.org. Uh, any, we've been kind of talking about everything that's on there over this, over this time, but can, do you want to kind of uh, give a elevator pitch on this as we sign yeah. off here? I think if, you know, anything that you've heard today is interesting to you, sort of what it means to be the, an independent contractor and how we should hold people responsible for making sure they're holding up their end of the bargain, please go to the website. There's sort of two things you can do. One, we have a change.org petition. That's always helpful for us to get those numbers up. But two, if you are interested, the bigger ask I have is if you could just sign up on the website to join the mailing list and make it so that we can contact you. We've had a good number of people who've done that. And really, you know, why we're having this podcast and doing this is there is work being done on this right now. So we've had sort of a legal opinion written by a lawyer recently on what it means to be an independent contractor. We have sort of this manifesto I've been teasing for a while, but I know, Steve, I've actually shared with you. It's like more, it's not actually just a concept anymore, but it's there. And we're going to open oh, it I was looking all through all of your notes, even the highlighted ones and, you know, on, on that one, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot here. Cause I, yeah. you, you made it, and it was easier to read than you made it sound too. When you were telling me about it, I was expecting this, like these notes. I mean, for me, I guess and, I get into the sort of like, I'm in the Ryan's manifesto mode. And right. But at least you hit enter. They were all sentences. Like I could read them, make sense. <laughs> they were in um, order. Yeah. But really, I think the goal here is what can we do to get a group of people together? to really agree on something and to push it ahead, bringing it back to sort of what we said at the right at the beginning of sort of the recording here is, you know, what can we do uh, to push such that, you know, the action that we're seeing isn't just on behalf of the restaurants or the end consumers, but what can we push to ensure that the drivers get their full rights here? So, you know, if you support, please sign up. We have more actions to come and we're excited for sort of a action pack 2023 here. Yeah. And we're going to, and folks, we're going to see one because a lot of states are changing in January and January is the worst month in almost every, in all, I almost want to just say every market, but in every market I know January is the worst month and we're going to see a lot of changes in a lot of states. Um, and I guess that that's why it's good that this is timely and this is coming out now because remember, just remember the tale of AB5 and Prop 22. Nobody saw it coming. You know, or nobody believed it was real till it till January first hit, and they were like, "No, we're serious. <laughs> that law is real." <laughs> and they were like, "You know, everybody's like, well, what? You know, what's going on?" Um, so pay attention, pay attention to your states. But the best way, one of the best ways, is to get to go do what David said and and just put your email in at driverrights.org because there's there's information on the website that that is very easy understandable. There's some video clips. There's it's, it's done in a way where you can kind of read what you want to, and then get into more fine tuning and stuff, but just put your name on this. Um, there is no third parties that your email or anything's being given out to. And as far as I know, it's just your email. So it's really, 
you know, it's just it's helping a big movement because it's over sixty thousand. But that was all. But most of that was gained in the traction earlier. We need we need that traction back. Yep. And I think we're now reaching the point where some of the legal philosophy and underpinnings that we actually have an ask. And I think 2023, really what that looks like is going and pushing this ask forward, right? I think really step one is let's get people to agree on these set of things. And then step two is with this underpinning, what can we do to sort of insert the voice of drivers sort of in the conversation? Uh, so, you know, more to come there. Sure. Um well, I want to thank everybody. I'm sorry that Michelle, hopefully, uh, I was hoping she'd make it back in to sign off with us. We lost Michelle just a few minutes ago. Um, so, uh, but uh, Michelle will sign off for you as well. So, uh, David, final words to the DRM series? I would just sort of, uh, if you're here listening at the end of sort of this long hour and 15 minutes, I think how I always end all my videos is just, you know, together, let's make a better gig economy together. Thanks for being a part of this movement with us. And Nick. And I just want to send out a, uh, a warm greeting to our friends in North Platte, Nebraska, (laughs) the much maligned city, which has seven hotels, an airport, a golf course, a railroad museum and a children's museum. And if you're tired of all of that, you can go to wild bills fun center. So I've been there many times. North Platte (laughs) is, is more than Steve makes it out to be. And uh, if you're from North Platte, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. And, and guys, I, you know, I, and, and I, a lot of respect too, because you guys found how to live cheaply in nice houses because they have nice houses there. They're just very cheap. But I guess my biggest thing with it is it's just so far from everything. North Platte was a dart thrown in the middle and nowhere, you know. So luckily they do. Luckily they do have a little nice town. It's not just as small as they can be on the side of the highway, right? Because they're and not which, near. By anything. the way, we have in Ferguson as well. For Ferguson is a nice little town with some really good affordable housing and uh, and. It's a it's a decent place to live, but it'll be a better place to live when I'm the mayor. <laughs> That's right. And so with that, I will say for Michelle, we want to thank Michelle for coming on as well. Um, check out Michelle's uh, door, um, DoorDash groups on Facebook. They are in the show notes. So check them out. Um, obviously, again, folks, uh, driverrights.org um, with para.com. Hit up any of us. We all love it. And of course, of course, of course, Nick for mayor. I don't know when the vote is. I don't know when this is. Uh, when 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 is this? It's going to be in April. But if you don't live in Ferguson. I know, but we can be loud about it for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we happen to know a lot of Missouri people and have maybe somewhere from Ferguson. I'm sure they are, in fact. You never know. So. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for joining us and thank you, David. And thank you, Michelle. And uh, hopefully we'll be back in the new year with some of these DRMs to have some good news about how the new year played out a little bit, maybe better than, than some are anticipating and uh, maybe things will get turned backwards a little bit, but let's, let's just see how things play out until then. Enjoy your holidays, everybody. And uh, we will see you on the pair round table weekly. And, uh, Happy Christmas, happy New Year's, happy holidays. Good night, everybody.